Welcome to another session of Rising Stars of Turf, presented by Earthworks and Dryject. Our guest today is Sam Moynihan, since April, the golf course superintendent at Detroit Golf Club. Welcome, Sam. Thanks for having me, Peter. So you uh, got the job at Detroit um, after applying your trade as a um, assistant at Caves Valley, correct, for five years? Yep. And before that at uh, Muirfield Village. So that's quite a uh, quite a lineage. I'm assuming that had a little something to do with get, getting the nod at Detroit Golf Club. Yeah, it uh, it certainly didn't hurt, you know, working at a perennial uh, PGA Tour event at Muirfield Village and then also – hosting a BMW championship at Caves. That allowed me a unique opportunity to uh, have some of that tour experience um, to be able to host our own event here, the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Now, that was very shortly after you took over there, correct? Yeah, so the Rocket Mortgage is generally the end of June. Uh, every three years, it goes to the end of July. Uh, so, yeah, started in April and you know, about 90 days after I started, uh, a little less than that, we were hosting an event. With, so a, a, quick with, turnaround. A, with a minor glitch in the interim, it, it was all over Twitter, but somebody decided to uh, adorn a couple of your greens with Roundup a couple of weeks it, prior to the uh, to the event, right? How did you scramble out of that deal? Yeah, it was actually two, two weeks on to the job. Uh, we're airifying greens, and I get a call that there's some strange lines appearing on two of our back nine greens on the north course, which went over, looked at it. It didn't really look like frost damage at the time. It was just recently sprayed. And then over the next couple of days, week or two, it just it went really downhill really quickly and Got it all tested. Uh, it flagged for glyphosate, so that's when we knew what was going on. Um, tried to seed into it. We had a really cold spring, so the seed didn't germinate as fast as we had hoped. So we got to second week of May, and we really weren't comfortable with where we were at. So we made the decision to go in and, and strip the turf off and regrass the greens. Uh, thankfully, Boyd Turf. Um, Colin Boyd with Boyd Turf, he had some bent poa sod that he was growing that he was able to provide us with, uh, as well as his installer to uh, get the grass laid in a timely manner. We had the green stripped, uh, refloated, and sodded in two days. Um, and that was about six weeks out ahead of the event. So then I had six weeks to try to get it grown in and get it playable and get it as low and as fast as possible so it matched with the other 16 greens we had in play for the event so it was, it was quite a task now what size side would you use for that uh we did big roll so they cut their big roll at about 30 inches wide i uh, used a big roll installer and, and there's a whole process with essentially turning boards to keep the tracks off the grass and to uh not disrupt the mix and uh, I've done it a handful of times on other projects. We did a collar project at Muirfield using their similar grass and a similar uh, technique. And then also uh, we did a short game area, including a green at Caves during our renovation project in 2020 uh, with the same process. So I, 
it, it was familiar to me. Um, so I was, yeah, I was lucky they had the grass and I knew we could execute it in a timely manner. How much of a panic were you in um, the, the roundup damage aside, but just um, when you got the news that you got this job and all of a sudden had to move house and take on a new job and all that with, with this event looming, you know, whatever it was, 90 days out or whatever, how much of a panic did that put you into? Uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, it kind of enjoying a, a nice March, uh, you know, preseason at caves kind of starting to gear up there that, uh, then you know, I got the call, I got the job and instantly shifted gears, started calling all of our vendors that we did business with, take a look at what was early ordered and then start developing an agronomic plan off of that. And then uh, reaching out to the staff, kind of seeing where the staff's at, um, trying to introduce myself, acclimate myself to the area, started looking for housing. I basically had two weeks, I think I got the job, middle of March, and I had uh, roughly two weeks to get up there to get started um, by the 3rd of April. So I was up the 1st of April to actually walk the course with our consulting golf course architect Tyler Ray and my greens chairman wanted to do a walk through the golf course so the first time I saw the course not under snow was uh, April 1st and then really just for the next month kind of looking at all the programs trying to figure out what I wanted to do and how we were going to execute it and um, yeah it was a very stressful April and then you throw in uh, those two greens you think on top of that it was uh yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was nervous. I definitely got some gray hair out of it. I know I got the the nice red hair, but I'm starting to get a lot more gray than I had before. That's all right. It happens to the best of us and then they fall out. So not a problem. <laughs> now you have a sort of an unusual educational background. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I graduated from West Virginia university, which is not a, typical uh, turf program school you would have in the country. Um, we had some turf classes, but uh, most of it was agricultural focus. So that's what my degree is in. I don't have a traditional turf grass sciences degree. Um, I did minor in landscape architecture, which helped with the uh, kind of the construction aspect of the job uh, in understanding how the landforms work um, with, the, with the human aspect but not a typical turf degree. I know about three or four other uh, professionals in our industry who graduated from West Virginia, either with an agronomy degree or a landscape architecture degree who are assistants, superintendents, or uh, in the construction side of the business, golf course architects, project managers, things like that. Pretty small alumni group in the business though. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're a rare breed. That's for sure. Where are you from originally? Um, all over the East Coast. I was I was born in Cleveland, grew up in New Hampshire, went to high school in Maryland, and then uh, right at the end of high school is when I got into golf course management. And at my time at West Virginia, I spent the summers uh, in town working at Pikewood National, which is out in the outskirts of Morgantown. Yeah, sure. And that really introduced me to the, the high-end, uh, private, uh, high intensity turf management realm. And that's kind of really what I fell in love with was that, uh, that upper echelon of turf management. 
Nice. So you arrive at Detroit Golf Club. Um, what surprises did you have or, or uh, was there anything in place that you that required a, a big adjustment for you in terms of uh, equipment, fertility, um, irrigation, anything like that? Um, really, I think the big thing was the weather. When we started air fine in the spring, I think I want to say it was April 18th, 17th. Um, it was actually snowing. So, you know, I was running around poking the ground, trying to see if the ground was frozen. Um, if, if we could do what we wanted to do, have a really tight time frame to do course maintenance here uh, with a pretty aggressive member schedule. So that was a that was a change coming from Kays Valley, where typically we would have a couple weeks ahead of our opening date to get all of our aeration practices done. Where I was trying to squeeze in aeration, essentially right as we were beginning to open the golf course, and also we weren't uh, getting a lot of cooperation from Mother Nature in terms of having decent weather to get that done. Um, so that was you know that was definitely a change we do have a, a pretty solid equipment fleet here uh the former superintendent jake mendoza he did a really fantastic job uh allocating capital and getting getting a, a good amount of equipment and new equipment in here uh to help us uh maintain the turf at the highest level and we're going to try to continue that and keep adding to the fleet and keep building up upon what was done before um so as far as that it's really has been weather challenges uh, we kind of sit at the uh, the junction of the jet stream coming out of Canada and up, up from the uh, southern states. And the weather is is really either really awesome or it's just it's not very good. So learning how to be a little bit more adaptable to the weather is, I think, the biggest challenge we face this year. My guess is you might appreciate a little bit less humidity in the summer than you had at caves. Yeah, I've... Uh, you know, coming from caves, it was a pants-only deal, and I didn't. Uh, I barely broke a sweat this year. I'll be honest with you. Even on the hottest days, uh, you know, the guys would say, "Oh man, it's so humid. It's oh, it's awful today." And it, it's just like, this is actually enjoyable. <laughs> you have no idea, right? <laughs> so you and I first met. Um, you played with us for a couple of years on uh, on the. Surfnet hockey team for the golf course hockey challenge. How was that? Yeah. For you? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, you, you changed my number the second year, though. You gave me eighty-eight uh, instead cool. of I can't remember what the first number was. <laughs> no, I, I had a style. I had to. Uh, I had to adhere to. But now I enjoyed it immensely. And uh, talking to some of the guys, we're going to see if uh, see if we can't round the troops up maybe for another go at it this year. Cool. So we know that you like to play hockey in your spare time. What else do you like to do if you have any spare time? Um, fishing. Fishing is one of my other passions. Uh, when I was had my time in Maryland, I like to go out on the boat and do a lot of fishing in the free time. Uh, anytime I take a vacation, I always try to do a charter, uh, try to catch something I haven't caught before. That's really one of my passions. And then um, you know, spending time with my family, my wife and my dog and uh, trying to make sure we're taking care of home base as well, because uh, it's important to have that solid support foundation behind you to be successful in this business. 
I got a kick out of your wife uh, a couple of years ago. At, you had the BMW at Caves in 2021. And I don't know how I got following her or she was just tagging you or something in there. But every time that you appeared on the TV feed, either running out across a fairway or something like that, she's, you know, she's giving the rah, rah, rah and all that kind of stuff. It was it was pretty humorous. Yeah, she's she's awesome. We actually met uh, back in Columbus when I was working at Muirfield and her family would go to the tournament every year since it started. That was their little tradition. And so once we got together, she kind of got to see what the other side of the event was like. And she got to spend a couple uh, Sunday evenings with me, you know, watching the flags for uh, playoff rounds or kind of watching that final group go through inside the ropes and so she, you know, she fell in love with the uh, the turf, the turf lifestyle and the, the tournament lifestyle. And uh, she takes a lot of pride in in me hosting events and, and knowing that she's a part of that. And especially this year, too. Um, she got an all access pass, so she was bouncing around to the different hospitality areas and the clubhouse. And, you know, I, I think she uh, she really enjoyed it. It's awesome to have that kind of support. Your dog too? Uh, no, Chip. Chip's a little guy. He's a he's a cavapoo. He's about thirty five pounds, so he's a little, a little yapper. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't yap too much, but no, I'd be worried a hawk might try to grab him or something. But we have a course dog. One of my uh, my North Course Superintendent Adam LaFrance. He's got a uh, retriever. That we run around out here, try to chase the uh, ducks and the geese off because they're uh, they're always a problem. Tell me about one product that you cannot do without. Could be could be equipment, fertility, irrigation, PGR, whatever it happens to be. What do you love? Oh, I love I love wedding agents. I love wedding agents, uh, different different kinds of wedding agents. Uh, I've been using some some AquaAid products the last couple of years, um, and they've really changed the game for us in terms of moisture management on greens. You know, getting the moisture even, helping us get things dried out, firmed up, uh, especially on fairways too. But really, for greens, it's been an absolute game changer in terms of chasing hot spots in the summer, and really just having even and consistent moisture across your putting surfaces, you know, for me is, I think is the biggest game changer we have. How do you monitor your, your soil moisture? Do you use probes or do you have in ground sensors or how's that work there? Oh uh, yeah, we do both. We have uh, soil sensors and then we also use the uh, TDRs for the daily checks, kind of seeing where everything's at in the morning and then the afternoons as well. Yeah. Good. Can you share with us uh, a people management trick that you might have? Something that you've either used to recruit or to motivate or uh, give a pat on the back or something like that? Yeah, no, I think it's it's incredibly important to let people know when they're doing a good job or when they've done a good job. Um, also, whenever anybody goes above and beyond to thank them, personally shake their hand, you know, thank you for staying late and getting this done, or thank you for showing up early and getting this done, or, you know, thank you for doing an exceptional job and whatever it was. I mean, 
even down to raking bunkers or cleaning the shop. I think those those little thank yous go such a long way for people and, and to make them feel like you care. <clears throat> Excuse me. Make them feel the caring uh, and the concern. And, and then obviously that over time will build commitment out of your team um, to what your desired goals and standards and, and aspirations are for the course and the club. So I think it's, it's really important to make sure that you're, you're spending the time and uh, making sure people feel appreciated because uh, people in my mind are the number one asset to a golf course. It's not the equipment or the fertilizers or the irrigation system. It's the people. Without the people, you're not going to have a great golf course. What's on your plate for this winter? Oh, ice fishing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah. One of the other things I like to do in the wintertime is uh, skiing, you know, growing up in New Hampshire, I played hockey in the, uh, in the winters. And then also when we had a free moment, we'd go hit the mountains and do a bit of skiing. So I got my wife into that last winter. So trying to get up there's I know there's some, uh, some areas up Northern Michigan, try to go check those out couple weekends and do do a bit of skiing um, and then outside of that we got our standard golf course projects and tree removal we got to do to address some shade issues on a couple of our north course greens and then uh, drainage 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 uh, we have a really flat property here and a really old drainage system so trying to improve on that and install as much new functional drainage as we can get in the ground just to just to improve improve on what's what's here and what's already been done that's really the big things we're looking at this winter and then uh, trying to take a vacation. Uh, I got married in 2020 during the middle of COVID. So never did a honeymoon. So we've been saving up to try to go on a, you know, Hawaii or Aruba or one of the Virgin islands, kind of do a nice you know, week long getaway somewhere cool. Nice. Well, we are going to send you a nice box of swag with some uh, stuff from us and from also Earthworks and uh, Dryject. So once we get off, you'll have to give me your uh, your mailing address for that. Uh, yeah. It's been fun for me to watch you, uh, you know, with this, the, the news of you getting this job uh, was was a big, a big boost and a big plus for me. Just watch, watching you do that, my heart sank when I saw the nonsense about the vandalism. But uh, you can't keep a good man down, so I'm not surprised that you rebounded pretty well with that. So, uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, something the uh, the old director of golf at Cave said to me during one extendedly long, nasty summer period was that, uh, Sammy, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Uh, that was Dennis Sadisher. He's uh, retired now, but really kind of, you know, knew what to say when, when he needed to hear it. I like that. Definitely a mantra I've, I've kept, kept, through, uh, kept through my life. I like that. I had not heard that before. So uh, that may be right on the, uh, the headline of this uh, video once it goes out. Okay, Sam, thank you very much. Uh, best of luck to you and continued good fortune. Have a great winter. Uh, may or may not see you in Phoenix. I'm not sure whether I'm going or not, but uh, uh, it'll, 
be it'll be good to see if we can make that happen. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me, Peter. I appreciate it. Okay, good deal. Thank you.